in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one who keeps your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's back with money with Gabby Dunn. Hi, Deadbeats. It's Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money. So if I'm going to be serious about this and try to wrap my head around the possibility of living in another country, then I want to start by trying to wrap my head around 
currency. So let's get super literal. I only have pennies because I just used all of my quarters and dimes and nickels uh, in a parking meter the other day. So my, my purse is literally heavy just from pennies that I will never, ever, 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 ever use. I think there's probably 35 of them in my wallet right now. Why? Why do I have 35 pennies in my wallet? Can someone please explain to me why we still have a coin in America that nobody uses? So this is a good place to start breaking apart casual acceptance of the status quo. My producer and engineer are about to call this business and economics writer for the New York Times. And while they're doing that, let me just say, guys, okay. In keeping with my unofficial no cis straight white men as guest policy, just because, look, there's a ton of other shows where you can listen to white guys talk. You Almost every other financial podcast, uh, you'll just hear mostly straight white dudes talk about money. So here, if you can find a straight white guy to talk about it, you can largely find someone else to talk about it. And I tried to find a non-white guy expert on the petty. I really tried. I Googled. I asked around. I tweeted my search. Apparently, there are none. None. I had no idea this would be the case. Why do only white guys give a shit about the penny? Ben Applebaum, New York Times. Hey, this is Gabby. Hi. Hey, so can you um, introduce yourself to my audience a little bit, just to short, like, who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, my name is Binya Applebaum. I write about economics and business for the editorial board of the New York Times, uh, and I'm the author of a new book called The Economist's Hour. Awesome. I found you actually because of your writing about the penny. So I wanted to ask, what is the deal with the penny and why do we still have it? Well, we probably shouldn't. Uh, it's a really good question. The basic problem with the penny, which used to be a very useful unit of currency, is that if you want to make 100 pennies, it costs about $1.43, which... <laughs> you'll notice is not a particularly good deal. So yeah. uh, the question people often ask is, well, why don't we just stop making pennies? Uh, I think probably the best answer is something President Obama said a couple years ago. He said, you know, we just keep doing things sometimes. And, and actually, it's sort of a problem with government that we keep doing things that don't make any sense. Yeah, I saw that quote, I think, it, with, that you had quoted where it was just like, we, the government just keeps doing stuff and doesn't really critically think about it. Is that really kind of the whole, the whole reason it's still in circulation? What would the defense of it even be? I'm not sure how you would construct a defense of the penny beyond tradition. I mean, listen, it used to be really useful, but we also used to have half-cent pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, we got rid of those in the 1850s uh, when, when the price of a half-cent piece uh, you know, was was so great that it, that didn't make sense anymore. The truth is that what you can buy with a penny today uh, is is what you could buy with a penny in 1950 is about what costs a dime today. Mm -hmm. uh, so the role that it plays in our lives, I mean, you anyone knows that if you try to buy, if you had a penny and you tried to use it to buy something, you'd have a hard time finding something that cost a penny. I, I was recently at a museum. They have these machines that produce commemorative pennies. Yep. Uh, know you know, and, and they no longer require you to provide the penny. You now yeah. need to, you know, put in your 50 cents and they give you the penny because they don't even assume people have pennies in their pockets anymore. Wow. I just imagine someone paying for that with a credit card and then the penny just yeah. comes out. <laughs> That's probably the next step. Yeah. 
So obviously American currency is really resistant to change, pun intended. Um, is it that extreme to change our money? Why, why is it such a problem? I, I think, you know, some of this is just what people are used to. You know, the government has been trying for decades now to get people to use $1 coins. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps on introducing new versions of the $1 coin. Uh, they're, they're more sturdy. They last longer than dollar bills. Uh, and the government would like it if we would all use them. Uh, in most countries around the world, that level of currency is a coin rather than a bill. Uh, and Americans just essentially refuse. Part of it is, you know, vending machines are programmed in a certain way. and uh, But a lot of it is just force of tradition. People like what they're used to. Um, you can tell people that it's literally not worth their time to pick up. The average American makes about a penny a second. So mm-hmm. the time it takes to reach down and pick up a penny off the sidewalk is literally not worth it. Uh, and yet in a survey a couple of years ago, three quarters of Americans said that they, they bend down to pick up pennies off the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of this is just ingrained habit and, and a sense that we have pennies and, uh, you know, why should we get rid of them? Wait, so in America, who gets to decide like that we keep printing George Washington bills or that we keep making pennies? Like who whose decision is that? Yeah, ultimately, the answer is Congress. Congress has the exclusive power to decide what kind of money there will be and how much. But it delegates that power to uh, the executive branch, to the U.S. Treasury, which is the mint, which is an arm of the U.S. Treasury, which ultimately produces these coins uh, for circulation. Uh, but, But the power of the penny belongs to Congress. Other countries around the world have gotten rid of their lowest currencies, right? Like what are some examples of other places that have done it? Yeah, probably the easiest example is just our neighbors just to the north. Canada in 2012 announced that it was doing away with its much beloved penny. Mm -hmm. Uh, They haven't prevented people from using them, but as they come out of circulation, the government gathers them up as they pass into the hands of banks and other financial institutions, uh, and they actually recycle the metals. They melt them down, and they're using the metals for other purposes. Not a lot of money that's at stake here. You can save, you know, tens of millions of dollars by doing this, but uh, Canada's gotten rid of the penny. Wow. So that's, I mean, so that is like a savings, though, for the government. Yeah, it's cheaper. We we lose, we meaning the federal government, loses money every year uh, by making pennies. Forcing, mer- forcing merchants to deal with pennies is a waste of money too, right? Like if, if prices are going to be expressed, you know, down to the penny, it means you've got to get the rolls of penny from the bank and armored truck mm. needs to bring them. Vending machines need to be able to deal with pennies. There's all sorts of ways in which the penny is basically an inconvenience. None of it is huge, but it adds up. Mm-hmm. So... The people printed on on our American currency don't necessarily like reflect the values that we stand for anymore. And there's like a mass produced part of our currency, which pennies that like aren't useful. So like, how do you feel that currency is a reflection of the country that it stands for or the government? Well, I mean, I think our currency clearly is a huge symbol of the United States. And in fact, American currency is one of our most popular export products. The, the $100 bill in particular is uh, very nearly the most popular thing America makes for sale in foreign markets. Uh, And everyone thinks of the dollar. Yeah, yeah, isn't that amazing? Why? People love American money. They trust it. They know that it will retain its value. Uh, When Saddam Hussein's palaces were searched, they found uh, millions of dollars of $100 bills stacked in these huge pallets. That's, you know, even our enemies keep their wealth in dollars. The North Koreans print fake $100 bills. Uh, People love the dollar. They... 
they value it. They, it. It's the world's currency in a lot of ways. Wow. Uh, there's an economic historian named Barry Ritholt who has written that it, he, he's noticed that in movies, the villains always demand payment in dollars. They don't oh, accept yeah. other currencies when it comes time to get paid, you know? Yeah, that is weird. Why is it just because it's so symbolic of like wealth and opulence? Well, I think it's because, you know, the, what you want a currency for uh, is to make it easier to do business. Mm-hmm. People use the dollar because everyone accepts the dollar. It also holds its value over time. In a lot of parts of the world, currency loses value over time, what we call inflation. And American currency has tended to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a better store of value over time. Uh, and as a unit of account, it's it's very familiar. People can keep track of how much things are worth in dollars uh, more easily and more effectively than in other currencies. But the question you ask, you know, what what faces and symbols a country puts on its currency is a huge statement. I mean, these are some of the most popular, uh, widely available, ubiquitous symbols of the United States. And, you know, who we choose to put on those instruments is hugely valuable. I, I was very, I thought it was a great idea. A couple of years ago, the Obama administration announced that Harriet Tubman would mm-hmm. start appearing on the $20 bill um, as part of a broader redesign of our currency. And I thought that that was, that was great, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's unfortunate that the Trump administration has shelved that idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I love, you know, what the United Kingdom does. They rotate. So every few years they, they uh, toss out the folks who are on the front of their bills and they introduce a new round of honorees. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah. And I think like, you know, it's also what you were saying about uh, what Obama said about the penny, where it, it is indicative of our government, even not just what's on the money, but also like that. We're just like, I don't know. We keep doing it because we've been doing it. Uh, and like that says a lot about American values and what America is like. Totally. Totally. Yeah, we've had a hard time. Even the easy things, even the easy problems that are well within our power to mm-hmm. fix, we seem unable to deal with. What do you think a country's attitude towards their own currency like says about them? Well, I, hate, I hesitate to describe the United Kingdom as a more functioning system of government than our own right now because, you know, they have their own problems. But lots of countries have been very innovative with currency, introducing plastic bills, uh, you know, mm-hmm. reducing, getting rid of. It's not just Canada that's gotten rid of low value coins, Denmark, New Zealand. Lots of countries have sort of chopped off the bottom of, of you know, their distribution of coins. Um and, and, you know, there are lots of ways in which, you know, adopting newer technologies, uh, experimenting with newer kinds of money are, are easier things to do for smaller countries. So, uh, you know, it's harder for the United States because the scale of, of the enterprise involved in, in producing our money is, is so vast and so huge. There are these, uh, they're kind of, I always feel a little bit dizzy when I go into them, but the Federal Reserve handles the distribution of currency and they have these giant vaults all around the country and actually all around the world where, where currency is stored. And you walk in and, you know, there are just these bales of bills that extend up to the roof mm-hmm. and you're looking at more money than you can even imagine. It's just kind of this unbelievably dizzying thing to see. The mm-hmm. scale of it is so vast. It's so much. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, our inability to, to sort of rationalize and modernize our currency, as you say, you know, it doesn't reflect well on us. It's something we ought to be able to deal with. Yeah. I can't imagine if they got rid of the penny, though, I can already see the people freaking out about it for no reason. Something also talking about who cares about the penny. Um, so I, so my show, we try to not usually interview uh, straight white guys. That's just not our thing. 
And we were looking for people to talk about the penny and we were researching it. And every single expert on the subject is a white guy. Why? (laughs) Why is this something that only white guys care about? I'll tell you something. It's a little bit of a broader point. But, you know, one of my goals as an economics writer is to, like, convince people that they should care about this stuff, that, you know, economic policy and the way that the economy works, it's true that, like, the people who work in that space tend to be straight white guys. And that's been true for a very long time. But this stuff affects everyone. And I think a lot of liberals, frankly, sort of shy away from economic policy and are like, you know, that's that's the space that, you know, conservatives run and we're going to approach the world differently. But the truth is that, like, you got to grapple with the rules of the game to win the game. And and getting your hands around the way this stuff works and the mechanics of it and the details of it, really, really, really important. So I, I wish more people and, and a greater diversity of people would engage with this stuff because it matters and it's important. And, and just as you say, the playing field uh, is largely left uh, to white men. Is it just so that like the issue of the penny seems so minuscule compared to like what maybe marginalized people would have to deal with that they're like, it's not even it it doesn't even matter. Like, it's just like a, that's like a, a white people problem or whatever. But like you're saying <laughs> it actually it actually dovetails with larger economic issues. I'm not saying that there should be, you know, a march on Washington to get rid of the no, penny. For I mean, sure. it clearly ranks, you know, 743 <laughs> on our list of national problems or whatever. I'm, I'm totally ready to buy that, like, you know, this type of minutiae, you know, is, is sort of going to be the province of the nation's stamp collectors or whatever. But, you know, I, I think that there's a broader problem there, which is that even when you're talking about the big economic policy issues, yeah. you still find that, you know, the conversation is dominated by, you know, as you put it, straight white guys and, and that, you know, in that sense, I think the penny is representative of a broader problem. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate you coming on. I've wanted to do this penny episode for forever. So thank you so much. Glad to do it. Nice talking to you. You too. Bye. Bye. Hmm. We keep a useless, expensive relic in our money system because our government agreed a long time ago not to get rid of it. Sounds about right. Okay, we have to take a quick break. I might have some ads to do. If there are no ads, please enjoy the music. And we're back. So, if money is, in part, a reflection of our government, then let me be real. I would love to live in a place that actually considers the people that use the currency when making the currency. For example, maybe not having slave owners on your bills and coins. I don't know, a big ask, but we could we could maybe do that, get rid of that uncomfortable thing. How about what our money says to the people who use it about their value? For me personally, something that's really important is accessibility for people with disabilities. And I think it says something about a country if its officials bother to remember that not everyone can actually see the coins and paper bills you expect them to use. We should be thinking about that perspective on our money too, but we don't. So in just a second, we're going to get to it. There's a guy named James Rath about to join us in the studio. He's pretty well-traveled, so he's used a lot of international currency, and he happens to be legally blind. So, okay, so when was the last time that you used a penny? Do you remember? Um, I threw... I threw one out recently. Yeah, okay. I don't like having them. They yeah. are a waste of space, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I know that sounds so bad. It's just literally throwing away money. It feels weird to throw it out, but also uh, it's not worth your time to have. So um, can you, for my audience, tell them who you are and what you do? 
Yeah, my name is James Rath. I'm a legally blind filmmaker and YouTuber and an advocate for kind of disability representation and accessibility. So, okay. So you said you are legally blind. Mm -hmm. So how, how would you describe your vision or what can you see or can't you see? Every person who's blind sees differently. Mm -hmm. They could see more light. They could see less. They could see nothing. They could see spots. Um, in my case, uh, specifically, I am like about 20 over 300 to over uh, 400. It kind of varies. So like early in the morning, it starts off fairly bad because I'm just waking up. Um, midday, it usually gets to its best, its peak, which again, it's not very good. But it's, um, you know, I, I'm able to identify things from like a silhouette or color. Mm -hmm. And then uh, eventually, they will start to kind of uh, come down a bit. Mm -hmm. And then I got to switch to things like voiceover or um, accessibility technology that that's like text-to-speech uh, text mm -hmm. uh, with my phone or use my white cane. Okay. So do you pay uh, in your day-to-day -day with cash or change or – uh, I try to avoid it mm -hmm. as much as possible. All of our money feels and looks the same. Mm -hmm. In America, how do you know what bills or coins are which? Um, so, I mean, coins are a little easier because yeah, they size. all have their own size. Yeah, yeah. And for me, like a good portion of the time, I'm able to look and see color. But then that's where the bills all sort of start blending yep. in with each other <laughs> yeah. um, and don't, you know, have nothing going for them at that point. Um, so... It can be a little bit uh, confusing or uncomfortable to use money for me. Um, it makes me put a lot of trust into the person who I'm dealing money with. Uh, Ugh, yeah. And that's not always, you know, you got some bad actors out there in this world. So sure. um, the U.S. money isn't accessible. But we haven't done anything. And I don't know how to do anything about it because, like, yeah. the American Disabilities Act went through from the government, like, in 1991. But they're still not accessible. Like, you know? Well, you know? <laughs> yeah, no one is shocked. So, okay, so do you have any paper money in your wallet right now? Uh, I'll be honest, I probably don't. Um, we can yeah. check. Yeah, do you want to check? Yeah, my bag's right here. So there's no cash. I think I have... Um... Ooh, an AMC gift card! Oh, yes. This is because <laughs> their audio descriptions didn't work last time I went, which is um, how the blind people yeah, you know, yeah, see, yeah. see movies and films. So It they, just uh, didn't work? It... it Kept going in and out. Um, yeah, so in here I only have, it looks like, uh, yeah, just two of my cards on me. So when you're traveling abroad, yeah. are you keeping track of the different currencies? Or in what countries has it been, like, great, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Easy I, to organize. I was in the UK back in February. And what I noticed there is, like, even, I guess they're equivalent to a to a dollar, the, like their pound and mm -hmm. stuff is like in a coin. And like, that's actually not bad. You know, if you just have a couple of, of coins that you can easily identify mm -hmm. um, from the size. And then from there, like there is different, I believe it's different texture. Um, yeah. And like the, whatchamacallit, some of the clear, the like plasticky mm -hmm. part or whatever. Correct. Yeah. And that's how I would sort of identify. I would sometimes just bite the bullet and uh, not use cash and, and you know, yeah. doing the foreign exchange fees and all that. Sure. Just because, again, I'm just so comfortable with using uh, cards or, or digital. Mm -hmm. And But, yeah, it was definitely a lot easier to obtain the money and, and uh, keep track of that. Whereas, like, when I do have cash in my wallet, you know, I got to use an app, for instance. And Oh, is there an app that will just say, yeah. this is a five? Exactly. This is a Whoa. There, well, there's quite a few. Um, but – that's awesome. The one that I mainly use is from uh, it's from Microsoft on the iPhone, and it's called um, uh, Seeing AI. 
Okay. And seeing AI is using like artificial intelligence. It can kind of just read things right off of paper. Um, it can try to identify people by their age and uh, gender and like it, it's – Whoa. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's a little creepy, but it's also like – really cool um like if you hold it up to someone it'll yeah. be like male 60s yeah or whatever. exactly whoa yeah and you'll be like dad <laughs> that's so crazy you thought he got away <laughs> <laughs> there's stuff i still want to ask but let's take a quick break like super quick and then i can get to my next question and we are back so like, um, but the other, but I, it, it, that like other countries have like raised texture yep. or like different, or even like different color where like yeah. you can see like, okay, this is pink, this is blue. So right. these are different, these are different like amounts of money. Yeah. And I think even Canada, if I'm not mistaken, theirs is um different lengths or, or it's yeah. slightly different. Uh, different size bills. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's how I was easy, um, easily able to like for the money there because i've been to canada like maybe like two three times now and yeah. i've never had an issue there like what are what are some things that like the u.s money could do that would be helpful texture different sizes yeah so definitely um just like a, a different, different colors you know colors definitely is one thing um again because 85 percent of people who are considered blind still have some degree of vision mm -hmm. uh and usually it does is impacted by color um or light so even uh, having varying colors, so maybe people are still colorblind who are blind, mm -hmm. um, but with enough light, things can look different. Mm -hmm. um, that could be helpful. And then I think also, uh, I would say, yeah, texture is, is a big thing. Even if you don't want to make different lengths and have money all be the same size just for consistency, sure. But if you're able to like have a little patch on the bill, like we keep updating these bills yeah. all the time. and. How come we haven't updated them with anything that's that makes it accessible? Yeah. Personally, for me, again, I'm like, I'm a big fan of digital money. And, yeah. And especially in these, like, payment systems that are a little bit more secure to pay with than just your card. Um, things like Apple Pay and I, I think Google has their Google Pay and mm -hmm. Samsung Pay. Like, I don't know. Um, but these are really easy ways to like protect yourself too mm -hmm. um and again for me i'm coming down to like i have to trust the other person on the other end yeah like every, everywhere i go even mom and pa shops in the uk and when i went to france this past june like they're all using apple pay like places that really? look so maybe archaic or like so um you know just old like old-fashioned yeah. yeah and and all of a sudden like oh yeah no we we take apple pay i'm like oh well the modern trendy coffee shop right down the block they they only take card and cash you know it's, it's wow. so bizarre so we're talking about a future that doesn't involve pennies but do you think that the like future future should not involve bills and coins altogether you know it's an that's an interesting question and i've kind of done some research on that myself and then it becomes this whole thing where people in different economic groups or in, in different social classes kind of get excluded from certain uh, businesses and, and yeah. parts of society. And that's a really tough call. And I think a not ultimately a good call. I think we should always have cash to fall back on. Mm -hmm. But it's really important that that cash is accessible because, again, people in lower class uh, economic social situations who maybe are blind or visually impaired should still be able to know what their money is, have mm -hmm. access to that. Because, again, I'm very fortunate. I have an app that, you know, just tells me what something is. Not everyone has that. You know, yeah. people are maybe trying to save up money. 
in order to afford such a thing. But even then, uh, all of a sudden they get, you know, screwed over by the wrong merchant or mm-hmm. something and they don't get the right amount of cash back. Um, so, yeah, no, it really falls on the government. And I'm surprised the government hasn't been sued yet for uh, for violating <laughs> the ADA. Right? You're right. so right. I don't know if they can. There's probably some sort of a... Yeah, take it to this Supreme Court. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Even as technology advances, and even as some countries try to make currency more accessible, it makes sense to keep physical money. There are benefits to still having bills and coins. But the U.S. should follow other countries' leads and make it so blind people can actually tell what bills and coins they're using. Except for the penny. I refuse to say that we will ever need to make another penny. Let's just be done with that. Hey, I solved my own problem. I've become the non-straight, non-male, anti-penny expert I wish to see in the world. (laughs) Thanks for letting me chat in your ear holes. If you enjoy the show, then please don't forget to rate and review us. It's so awesome when you do that. Seriously, please rate and review. And tell all your friends to subscribe on Stitcher or wherever they get their podcasts. I'm serious. Tell your friends. Just bring it up randomly at parties. This show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineer is Brendan Burns. Our editor is Andy Christens. And our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. And our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn, and you'll hear me next week.